Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart, and I have conversations with successful underdogs, and today I have Nathaniel X. Ross. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no problem. Thank you for being on. Uh, what part of the world are you in? Well, uh, right now I'm in Delaware. Do I'm in Dover, Delaware. Okay. Is it? What's the weather like there? Yeah, it's about 80 degrees, nice little breeze. Good summer day. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole different heat here in Indianapolis. Like, we, like it was cold last week. This week has been hot as hell. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. But that's just, that's cool to ask and um, see, like, where different people are from and see how the weather is and different stuff of that sort. So, Nathaniel is an author, life coach, entrepreneur. Corporate executive, motivational speaker, podcast host, this behavioral analyst, and how do you say is it the re a, a Reiki practitioner? A Reiki practitioner. You got a lot of hats on your head, there, sir. Yes, I do. Yeah. So that's because I'm, that's because I'm old, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're, you're not, no, you're not old. You're seasoned. Yeah, you're seasoned. yeah. You're not old. So. Let's get into kind of your upbringing. You, you're from Baltimore. Um, me, I'm from the Midwest. And what I know about Baltimore is the wire. So give me a little bit about your upbringing in, in Baltimore. Well, if you've seen the wire, you've seen my neighborhood. That's where I grew up. Um, it's pretty rough. Uh, pretty bad stats in terms of survival. Uh the stats back then was by the time you're 18 or 25, you're either dead or in jail. Um, and they probably have gotten worse now with uh, the way that the city has, has, has moved. Um, but I was, I was raised in the foster care system in Baltimore. So I got to move from one home to another, um, went through the public school system and, uh, a lot of people just didn't really care. I mean, it's just like, you know, get you through the system, get you out, get you off of welfare, um, and you figure it out from there. Um, you know, and fortunately, uh, I just met people in my life that helped turn it around. So um, I had met uh, a gentleman, Clarence H. DeBurns, who was running for city council at the time. Um, and that was really a pivotal moment. Uh, when I walked up and, and spoke with him, I asked him what he was doing because we didn't see too many men in suits walking throughout black men in suits, and, you know, walking through the neighborhood. And he told me he was, he was campaigning for office. And so he started talking to me a little bit and I said, do you mind if I help you? Cause I was just curious and on the streets and nothing to do. And he said, yeah. And um, long story short, I ended up becoming an intern for him at City Hall. So during, you know, after school, I would go to City Hall and, and intern. Uh, and then eventually I would intern half of my school day there as well as in the evenings. So I'm straddling the fence between living in the hood, being in the hood, and then being at City Hall around all these business politicians. But it gave me insight that there was something better than where I was from. Uh, and fortunately for me, as I met the, the different, the city council people, the senators, and as I met all these different people, they had children and their children and I became friends. And that gave me a glimpse into a whole different world that I didn't have. Plus, you know, when you when you uh, hang out with people, they're going to elevate you, or either you're going to pull them down. And in that case, they elevated me. Uh, it made me have um, mo want more out of life, and uh, it got to the point where I had to choose. You know, where which where am I going to go? Am I going to stay here, or am I going to shift over into the new world? And I chose to shift. I, I love it. I, I love that because a lot of us are from around the way. And when you're hanging out with your homies, that's all you kind of see. You you actually went after the person that had the suit. We 
we like, what, what he got a suit on? He the police, you know, we, it's a different attitude when you see one or two people, black guys back then, uh, you, like you say, you're seasoned, uh, but I'm, you know, under you, but just knowing the, the neighborhoods and stuff, but you actually went and like, let me see what this guy talking about. And then the experience and the relationships that you built changed your projective. Uh, like I went to a summer camp and it so happened to be an entrepreneur camp. They weren't thinking nothing of it, but they took us to um, Virginia. They took us a couple places, but just being in that camp and being around people that look like me and going to experience different things, it makes you think, mm, it is more out there uh, than what's going on um, in my everyday life. So how did that relationship with your friends from the neighborhood uh, did it affect them or did they were like, OK, let's see what he's doing and join you? Uh, well, that was actually quite interesting because, you know, back then singing was real important. Right. Because everybody wanted to be the Jackson five or uh, uh, some singing group. Um, so I kind of hung out with uh, there was three of us that that kind of hung out in the neighborhood and uh, they they pretty much stayed stagnant. Um, and they watched me. They never interfered. They watched me go through my transition and they never wanted to come along in the journey. But then on the flip side, um, my new friends that I had met through the politicians and business people, um, I had, there was four of us that hung out together and they were aspiring to do great things because they were coming from two parent households. Um, they were coming from, you know, stable income um you know it it wasn't like for them it was for them it was when you go to college uh mm -hmm. it was they, they, there was no choice they were going to college right um and for me it was i had to figure out you know how do i get to go to college um mm -hmm. but the, the, the there was no real pushback now in the streets um there there are people who that rule the neighborhood right and fortunately for me, um, the people who were the biggest and the baddest people on the street were also the protectors of me uh, because they saw that I was going to school and they were like, he's going to make it. Um, and they just basically said, hands off to, to, the, to the neighborhood, hands off. So I was able to come and go freely. Uh, without worrying about getting beat up or, you know, somebody trying to get me in a gang or to do drugs or anything like that. Um, so that really helped. Yeah, I, I, I understand that because people from the neighborhood, they know, notice kids that, you know, are doing something good. And do you think with your friends, because um, like, even though that was a relationship and you guys were kids, I think the relationship that, the, that you're talking about applies to anybody. Do you think that some of your friends didn't come along because they didn't feel like they were Jordan or they didn't come along because they didn't want to come along because what, what you were necessarily doing? Uh, I think they were scared. Um, mm. You know, when what I did was pretty bold, even though it wasn't like I, I stepped out, go, oh, I'm going to go do something bold. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, looking back, for me to go out of my comfort zone of leaving the neighborhood and, you know, completely leaving the hood and going and hanging out in city hall and around business people. And that was a pretty bold move looking back. Um, and a lot of my friends, they just, they, they, that, that was not, that was not in their comfort zone and growth only occurs when you're uncomfortable. Um, and they chose to stay comfortable. Even when I, when I left, Baltimore to go to, um, I left Baltimore to go to work. Oh, well, I well, left Baltimore to go to college. And then after college, I left college to go to Ohio to work. And I even went back to my two friends and said, hey, look, um, I'm an administrator for a college. I can get you guys housing and employment. You know, if you want to come on up, you know, better your lives. And they respectfully declined it. Um, and it, it was kind of sad for me because one of them still lived in their, their parents' basement. And I'm like, mm. you know, you're 20 something years old now and you still living in mama and dad's basement, you know? 
when are you going to break out on your own? And I, I don't think he ever did. Mm. Mm. So with that, you got your new friends. They going to college. You said you went to college and then you start working. How was how was your college experience for you? Oh, college was off the freaking charts, man. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, probably too much fun to start with. Uh, so every every city councilman and and the mayor gave me a letter of recommendation to get in college. So I was able to get in. I was able to get scholarship money. Um, and to be quite transparent, I, I screwed it up. Um, I got there and forgot that I was supposed to be studying. And, uh, <laughs> I partied a little too hard and got, you know, they told me don't don't bother to come back. Your GPA is not high enough. Um, so after another year of not being in school, I, I actually applied to a different school uh, and went back uh, and was more serious about getting my education. Um, and I had a ball. Um, I had, again, that was another area and a lot, and I, I went into some opposition because people couldn't understand it. Uh, I went to a predominantly white university and on the campus, people were cliquish, you know, and the blacks hung out, basically isolating themselves. And for me, it was like, well, why would you isolate? I already know what black people is like. I've been born and raised and lived with that. I need to find out what the white people and the Asians and the Hispanics are like. So I was out and I was floating through all the different groups and different people. And of course, it, you know, there was some backlash from the blacks that were like, you know, how come you, you, you're being Bush, you're being stush. And I'm like, I'm not being uppity. I, you know, it's just, I, I, I need different experiences. Again, I went outside of my comfort zone to um, learn about all those those other folks. And one of the, the amazing thing that happened with that is they were doctors, lawyers, politicians, they, their, their children were in school and they were like, come on, this is what we do. And they introduced me to their friends who introduced me to their friends. A lot of them were extremely wealthy and I learned how systems worked. I learned how processes were. And it's like, wow, we're playing this game called life. And as Blacks, we didn't even know that it was a game, let alone that there was some rules to the game. Um, so college was a blast for me. I had a great time learning and partying. Yeah, I, I just had a lot of fun in partying. I didn't get, like I had, I went the first time and I picked the wrong major. My mom was like, no, nah, stick to that one. Yeah, it didn't work out. And I went again and I kind of, was getting good grades, but I was just hanging out. And I love what you said about talking to everybody. Because as you as you're older, you understand like money doesn't have a color. So you can have those relationships with all of those different people because you're gonna learn different things. Okay, this culture has been winning for years. Let me just see, let me just go over here and ask some questions and see, you know, what they can tell me. And they're gonna tell you. It's not like when you go to the black community. Oh, I don't know, but you know, nobody want to give out how things really work. Now, you know, now we're coming along and doing that. But I, I love that. Like, that's how I am. I talk to everybody. I grew up in an all white neighborhood, okay. but it wasn't like rich. It was like you had some people that was lower than us. We were like middle class, lower middle class. Then you had some people that had some money, but everybody was, you know, cool for the most part. I had, I dealt with race racial stuff here and there and then with me having a disability just being having that so I, I i knew how it was to be around those different people but i know how it's like just be yourself and it's not like we used to say oh you talking white what's talking white it's just you talking educated you know how to use words it's it's crazy how we looked at things and then now that we're entrepreneurs and we're doing stuff it's like oh I do need to work with them. Oh, I do need to go over here and have a conversation. And we miss out on that years and years later. You actually did that in, in your 20s. It took me to my 30s to realize that, to you know go around to every culture and just be cool with everybody. So I love that you started that early because I'm sure that helped you in the long run because you do all these different things and you've 
talk to different people and you know how to you know have a conversation with some doctors lawyers and different people like that so that's awesome that you were able to learn that at an early age so when you got out of college um did you start straight in you say you got a job when did you so when did you start entrepreneurship well i always did something on the side after college so uh after college i, I always started a side gig to just to make some extra money. Um, so I dabbled in doing a little consulting business as it related, you know, computer consulting work. Um, and this is a funny one. I, I actually owned a, uh, uh, a clothing boutique mm. in the, in, inside a strip club. It was, like, <laughs> it was this gentleman's club. It had 250 women at work there. Mm. And um, I saw an opportunity. The uh, one of my friends worked there and, and I went there and, and with her and we were talking and I saw a room that was there. And I was like, who supplies all the um, outfits to these girls? And they were like, oh, they go here, they go there. They go. So I ended up renting out that room and making it into like a little store and uh, buying the clothes wholesale in New York buying the costume jewelry, everything that they needed to do to perform on stage. So I had an instant 250 clientele right there at my fingertips. And mm. it, because it was convenient for them now that they didn't have to go out and do that. So it became like a win, 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 because the girls bought their outfits uh, from me and they asked, uh, their outfits and costume jewelry, the men coming in, they were regulars. They would buy outfits for the girls. And then on the way home, they would buy something for their wives. Because <laughs> feeling guilty. So it was a it was a pretty lucrative uh, cash business. Uh, I think I was probably bringing about 10 grand a week. Um, but I was working in higher education as an administrator. And um, one of my mentors, and it was my manager as well, um, said to me, you're going to have to pick a life. And I, I chose to, to pick higher education, my career over the entrepreneurship of staying in the club. <laughs> and it was, it was probably, it was probably one of the smartest things I, I did. Uh, it was tough to give up the cash. Um, but it was one of the smartest things I did because from there, um, I propelled out of higher education into corporate America, into a Fortune 400 company. Uh, so to be a black executive in a Fortune 400 company, I couldn't have that background or side gig of uh, being affiliated or tied to a strip club. Um, and my career just blossomed and, you know, just blossomed and it moved up you know it just kept moving up moving up that's that <laughs> that's funny that i was just sitting there like dang you the you the principal and you running it running a, at the uh strip club i was just thinking like a move that sounded like a movie like somebody in higher education but then you see him out in the streets or doing yeah. something and somebody like man don't, don't you don't you teach the kids and it's like yeah but i do gotta you know i gotta pay these bills it's like people I feel like people should understand, uh, you know, everybody having a side hustle. But that was that. I'm sitting there when you said it was 250 girls. I already knew. I was like, oh yeah, buddy, about to make some money off that. Like, yeah. And then, like you said, the dudes buying. So that was that was cool. So, question: What did you learn? What was the lesson? What was like a lesson or two that you learned from making that side money that helped you uh, on the education and then the corporate America side? Um, well, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned uh, and, and one of the reasons I stopped is because uh, all the glitter is not gold. Um, I got to know I got to know the women at the club. And when you start hearing their life stories and what they go through, um, it was like to me at that point, it became dirty money. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was like I had to to go inside of me and go, 
is this really how you want to make money off of other people and other people's struggles? Because a lot of them was there not because they wanted to be there. They had to be there uh, to, to make, you know, to, to take care of themselves. In most cases, it was them and their kids because they had children. Uh, and in some cases, they were taking care of their men. Um, but there was an ugly side to what was happening. And um, it, it made me come to terms with me from a morale standpoint. And, and I'm no prude. I don't, you know, I don't pass judgment on what people do and don't do. But it is what can you, for me, it was, uh, can, you, can I look myself in the mirror and then can I sleep at night knowing how I'm earning a living? So that's why I chose the, the higher education route. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I went that way. Yeah. That sounds like, uh, that's always kind of been your thing is you're, you're in an environment. You could go that way. It's not really the right way to go. And you go the other way. You, you seem to always know when to shift to the right way. And some people don't like, um, you got friends or you got, or you maybe at a job and, Oh, the money cool, but you you got you coming home and you drained out. You're not able to do stuff with your family, but you like the money good. And like you said, all money's not good. So you got to make those decisions in your life to do what's right for you. And yeah. sometimes in the beginning it doesn't look pretty, it's ugly. It's like, why am I doing this? But if you're consistent, you know, it pays off. So uh you start off as an entrepreneur, like you're like. When did you start off? So like full time made that decision. That's where you wanted to go after you went back to the corporate America and the higher education. Uh, well, I, I never did go full time as an entrepreneur. I always did it on a part time basis. Mm -hmm. Even doing it on a part time basis made more money. Than mm -hmm. people made full time doing their full time jobs. Um, I, I was uh, I, I always held. Uh, even a higher education position or a corporate position and did my entrepreneurial thing on the side and just let it grow and be supplemental, um, let it be supplemental income. Well, which really set me up so that I would be able to retire early uh, or be able to leave corporate America when I want. Because at the end of the day, what we're looking for is freedom of time and freedom of finances to be able to spend when you want to spend and to be able to do what you want to do in your own time frame. So those side gigs really helped accelerate that process for me. Uh, and that's why I was able to walk away from corporate America uh, at an earlier age. Yeah. that uh, Yeah. And some people still working. Yeah. It's, it's people that you went to school with it's still working. And some people, parents that, you know, still working and, and I work now, but I, I want to get to that point where I don't got to. It's not where the job tell me when I'm done. I, hey, I, I want to be done. I want to, you know, I want to be done. So um, when did when did you decide to get into to speaking, to helping people to change their lives and that that part of your life? Um, probably about uh, I, I want to say it's been about 30 years ago that I started. Um, I went through um, th through a series of different events. I ended up meeting um, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, DC Cordoba, who owns the Accelerated Business School for Entrepreneur, um, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I went through that Accelerated uh, Business School for Entrepreneurs, and they kind of took me under their wing. So I learned from the masters that are out there now. Um, and at, at that point, when I was going through the training, um, I was the number six person of color in the world to go through that program, the accelerated business school. And I asked them, what were they going to do about that? Because I said, you know, it doesn't make sense that we're not making this stuff affordable to the everyday person, let alone to women and people of color. And uh, their response was, we're not going to do anything. What are you going to do about it? So that's kind of what propelled me into how can I take everything that I have learned over the years, formal and informal, 
and put it into teachings where the everyday person can start to learn this information um, and have access to it that really can't afford to, you know, I, I spent, you know, it, it was, I want to say six to 10 grand to go get trained. Uh, everybody just can't do that. Um, so what happens to the masses that if we don't share that information and, and let people learn and grow, they continue to struggle. So that's kind of what was the catalyst for me uh, starting to speak, going out, talking to people, uh, going to community centers and whoever was willing to listen and learn, I was willing to share. And it, and it continues to today. Yeah, I like I like what you said, um, like with the everyday person, um, people that are of color, like we don't. We don't realize the resources that are out there. Not saying, so, like you said, most of us back then wasn't wasn't able to throw five, six thousand at a program and even think to be in a program like that. Nowadays, it's more people doing that. But just taking a, a leap of faith of doing something different. Yeah. I like that. You never. It never was about oh, let's do this because I'm black or um, oh, black people aren't uh, aren't doing this. I'm not gonna do it. You just doing it because that's what you want to do. And people don't make those decisions in their life of doing stuff just because they want to do it. They want to do it because their friends, their mom, their cousins, or whatever. And I like that you like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And it and it pans out for you because that's how life is. You're supposed to do what you're, you know, what you're good at, what you want to do, and then you'll live the life that you live. And so when you when you did start like speaking and coaching, what was that like for you? Was it comfortable? Was it uncomfortable? Was it something you were like, okay, I can see myself doing? Or was it like, uh, I don't know if this going to pan out? Uh, it, it was very comfortable I, and because it's something that I enjoy. It, it, and it's, it's, it's who I am um, in terms of sharing uh, of information. It was, I mean, it, it, there were periods along the way where it was extremely frustrating. One of the worst things is that you know something that will benefit somebody else and you're trying to share it with them and they're not willing to receive it, especially if it's a family member or a friend and you see them struggling and you got the answer and they're like, no, don't want it. Don't want it. That, that was a hard lesson for me to learn. Um, but I eventually learned that. So, I mean, you know, my attitude now is there's 7 billion people on the planet. I, and I go where people want to hear what I have to say, as opposed to me trying to impose what I have to say onto anyone. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That, that's so true. I think a lot of people, when they start businesses and stuff and you go talk to your friends, your family, the people that's around, you think they're going to be on board and it's like, no, they're not. Yeah. And like you said, it's 7 billion people in the world. There's enough people in the world that's going to like whatever you do. It don't matter if it's speaking, if it's clothing, if it's building uh, uh, matchbox uh, cars, whatever it is, there's going to be people that like it. So you got to do whatever's for you. So because um, you got a lot of stuff and I was I like you, the different topics that you talk about. Um, I think this uh, helps some people uh, talk about your five pillars. You don't have to go deep into them, but just, you know, where it could, you know, trigger somebody's way of thinking. Um, well, there's a, there's a, any, anybody that really want to, there's an actual video that I did on the five pillars of success. And um, they can go on my website, uh, NathanielXRoss.com and give me their email address and they'll get that video sent to them. Uh, but the five pillars are just, it's giving you what successful people, tips on what successful people do, right? And I want to, you know, just share because a, a lot of people make stuff look easy. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. So when you're reading a book, and I, I did a book from the, um, the American Dream from the Streets to the Boardroom. And it talks about stuff we're talking about now and the different crossroads in my life. And it's a motivational, inspirational book uh, 
to help people to move forward. But my point is when you're, whether you read my book or whether you listen to my podcast or you read articles that I that I put out, that is just the snapshot of whatever that particular subject is. And a lot of people think that they can look at something like that, digest it, and they got the answers and now they're successful. And I just want to dispel that. No, when, when you read a book, the book is only giving you an introduction to whatever. If you watch a video, it's only giving you an introduction. It's a lot of hard work. And you got to be willing to put in the work in order to be successful. Um, and a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So, and I'm sure you've seen this. Maybe you haven't, but I, there are people who will say, if you and I went out on the streets today and we just stopped people at random and go, do you want to be a millionaire? They're going to say yes. Most people will say yes. But then you have the follow-up question. Are you willing to do the work to become a millionaire? And the answer to that is no. Most people aren't willing to do the work, right? And it's the same thing from a learning standpoint. You know, are you willing, are you disciplined enough to learn what you got to learn in, in terms of self-growth and, and self-development? And a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work to get there. Yeah, that that that's true. Like people aren't willing. I think it's because, like you said, people think it's easy. You go on social media, you see stuff, and you you see the easy part. Everybody doesn't give you the real, the raw, like stuff that really happens, which isn't everybody's business. Um, it was just like uh, I watched the Kevin Hart, um, his newest stand-up, and he said his dad had passed like a week before that. Nobody knew that because it wasn't in the news or anything. So that's something that tragic happened to him. And then a week later, he's doing a stand-up because he probably already planned for that stand-up. But he understands, you know, my dad passed. You know, you got to deal with that. But then it's like life goes on. People Sometimes people look at life a little too hard. Like you got to kind of like stuff's going to happen. Things are going to happen to you. And you got to take time to figure it out. But you got to move on. You got to move forward. You got to figure it out. It's like I had surgery um, on my right hand. I was dominantly right right-handed in high school, my junior year. So now I got to learn how to write with my left hand. I could complain and say, oh, I can't do it. But the school going to be like, okay, you don't do your work. Guess what? You're going to get up. So I had to figure it out. Life moves on. You can't like sit there and just be like, oh, it's hard. I don't know. Being successful is hard and being unsuccessful is hard. You got to pick one. And, yes. I, and I, yeah. Let me just comment on that because that's part of my soapbox. Like, you know, I, I am sick and tired of seeing people watch these clips on social media and then thinking that they can go out there and do what those people do. Look, those clips are years and years of hard work. In some cases, people have worked, you know, 10, 20 years in order to give you that 30 second clip that you're watching of success or fun. And in other cases, it's just a blatant lie. So you go on the internet, you you got to discern, you have to use discernment as to what's real and what's not. But anyone who is successful will tell you that it's hard. You know, you, you get headaches, you get diarrhea, uh, you, you cry, you just, you get put through the ringer and becoming successful at whatever field it is that you're in. And it's lonely. Um. But we don't show that and we don't talk about that. But we but we do glamorize that, you know, oh, well, I'm going to take I'm going to take my sports car out tonight and I'm going to a five star restaurant. We people take the picture of that and everybody go, oh, I want to live like that. But what did it take to get that car? What did it take to get to the point where you were making that kind of money? What kind of struggles did you have to go through? How long was it? You know, and uh I'm just tired of people looking at all these lies that are on social media and believing it and then thinking that they can go out there. And then when they fail, they're miserable and they're like, well, well, how come I can't do it? They did it. But no, they didn't. They didn't sell you the real thing. You know, so. Yeah, it's in social media get to you because 
like you said, it take years. I started speaking and kind of the entrepreneurial stuff on the side in 2016. And like you said, it take a long time to get to the 30 second and 60 second videos to do it and just boom. Like it wasn't that easy. And then it's even like uh, just not having the funds, but I know I still got a podcast to do. I still got this to do. It's like people don't show you, like when I take my videos, I take wherever I'm at. Like, so I can go back and be like, man, I remember doing videos in the basement or I remember doing that. And people can go back and look at that because that's how, that's how I work with kids. I'm in education too. So that's how kids relate. They want to be able to see that you're a real human being, that you actually go through some shit. Like they're going to go through some stuff and you got through it. They don't want you to be like, Oh, I'm successful. I had some bad days and I just woke up and changed my thinking and everything happened. I remember I was uh, speaking to some kids, a football like league. I went in there. I was on point everything. So uh, ex coach player comes in. He says the same stuff I was saying, but he was saying it like, yeah, life was hard. I, you know, struggled in school, got my act together and, you know, just worked really hard. That's how I got to the NFL. And the kids was like, hold on. Like, no, we want him back over here talking like he ain't even helping us out. And people miss that point of it, of showing people that it's ugly. It's like if I were to grow my hair out, my fro going to be nappy as all get up. Like, but I got to go through that process if I want to get dreads or braids or whatever. Right, and it's right. the same thing in life. You got to go through the process. If you don't go through the process, you're going to miss every lesson that you need to learn for that next level. And people yeah, and, don't realize that. And that's the thing. It's it's like you have to go through the struggle. You have to go through the test in order to give the testimonial. Mm. And a lot of people want to give the testimonial without going through the test and learning the lessons. Yeah. And sometimes they they keep failing the same test and don't want to pick up the, uh, the answer book. The answer book right there, but they don't want to pick it up. They want to go and then they wonder why you're in a cycle and you're in a cycle. And I think from earlier, what you said, um, you got to leave people where they at. Like, even though they're your homies, your family, you got to leave them where they at because you can miss out on blessings because you want to stay in environments. You can miss out on experiences because you want to stay in environments because you want to stay around people that's cool. It's kind of like uh, the movie Set It Off. You know, she asked uh, Cleo, what you want to be in five years? I don't know. I'm just trying to make it through the day. Stoney was like, well, I'm thinking about five years. And she's the one that made it out because she was thinking ahead instead of thinking for the moment. And that's just that's just how life is. So um, let let me can I let me let me give your listeners a quick lesson real quick. Yeah, because I think this might help them in terms of of some of the struggles they have. So you hear people talk about mind, body and soul. Uh, You got to work on your mind, body and soul. So first, I I would say, let's switch that around. Um, You got to work on your spirit first. You got to work on your spirit, your mind, and then your body. You get your spirit right, your mind will follow. And you get your mind right, your body will follow. But there are two other elements there. There's the environmental, and then there's the environmental influencers. You can work on your spirit your mind and your body. But if you don't change your environment and you don't change the environmental influences, there's a high probability that you're going to fail. And we don't talk about those two, but you need to, if in order to be successful, you, the environment is extremely important, right? So like when I was growing up, I had to choose, do I stay here in the hood or do I go over here in the city hall and into the business world that was different? Uh, when I changed my environment, being over in City Hall and around business people and politicians, et cetera, guess my my thinking changed, right? Because the people who were speaking to me, which were the environmental influencers, they were putting positive information and knowledge into me. And I think that's a big thing that most people, if you, you, if, if I only stayed in the hood, I would have never made it. Because I would have had the street guys talking into my 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 ears and I would have been seeing and hearing stuff that affected my heart, which would have kept me right there in the hood. Um, so I just, you know, want people to know that there's there's five things there that they need to work on 
is a spirit, mind, body, environment, and environmental influences. Yes, that's that's good because you're right. It's the spirit first, the mind, then the body follows. But it's also the yeah, that environment. And I had to learn that because it's so funny because right before I made that turn to like, okay, it was really because I had my son. I had my son and I'm like, I got to do better because this little joker depends on me. And I went um, went to Atlanta, had a hangover, like like the movie Night. But it was a reason because I saw one of my close friends do business. He was like, all right, party time over. We got I got to go back to work. And I couldn't catch my flight to a few days later. So I got to see him. Then I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And if I would have never went or if I wouldn't have, you know, had too many drinks or whatever the case and got home, I wouldn't have been around that influence. He was different. It was in Atlanta. It wasn't, oh, we party all day like you see or hear about. It was like, no, this is what people actually do. This is how they're successful in Atlanta. They're grinding. They're working. You know, they have fun. But right as soon as Monday morning back. Boom, he back to work. We going all over the city, getting cloths and all this stuff because he was doing clothes. And just for me being in that environment and learning, it changed my way of thinking. Because before that, I was hanging out with dudes, chilling, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Get off work, go hang out, go go shoot the shit and do nothing. And then it's like, okay, why am I where I'm at? Now it's like, I, I can be fine being by myself. I'm good by being by myself because I'm funny to myself. I'm going to do the stuff I like to do because I separated myself because when you change your mind and those in environment influencers, they're going to try to get into your mind. Oh, you should do this or you should do that. It's like when you're married, you shouldn't really be having marriage conversations with your single friends because your single friends coming from a single mind set and you're coming from a marriage. It ain't going to mix. And people don't realize that. Maybe the, let me talk to my girlfriend. Your girlfriend been single for our whole our whole time, and you going to get advice from her, and you wondering why stuff ain't working at home because you're getting the wrong advice because you're in the wrong environment. You got to get around the environment that you're in. It's like I always tell kids. It's like okay, if you want to get A's and B's, who who should you hang out with? Yep. The kids that are getting A's and B's. You hanging out with your friends? Y'all studying? Y'all getting C's and D's? Some name we're adding up. So you got to get around that and that that really that's really where it's at. You can get those first couple things. But if you don't get them last two, it'll pull you back slowly. It'll pull you back and then you'll be stuck. And you're like, "Mm, what should I do now? And I think the last thing that I have before I ask a question is get off your feelings when it comes to those environment influencers. Because if you get stuck in your feelings, you're going to get stuck where you at because you're going to feel, oh, I shouldn't leave them. Well, you've been broke with broke with them for a minute. You've been hanging out with them and y'all ain't accomplished nothing. So it's like if you want to do something, you still can be cool with them, but you got to separate yourself. You got to separate yourself. So love love this conversation. Um, Before we kind of close it out, give three tips to people that can that they can do once they listen to this episode to change. Two, three of those things that you just said. Uh, okay, so let's start with um, you. In order, in order to move towards success, you got to change the way that you think, which means you're gonna have to change your your vocabulary, um, and you're gonna need to and change your influencers. So it's easy to just give that piece of advice. But I'm going to give a little bit more than that. I have a nonprofit, AbundanceLegacy.org, uh, that people can log on to. And on that, uh, in, in AbundanceLegacy.org, we have three groups there. One is for women. One is for men. And one is hump day, today. So today at 7 o'clock, I'll be doing a call from 7 to 8 p.m. And it's to help anybody out that's struggling through the middle of the week. that just need to get encouragement, support to get through the week. And anybody can call in and we can have conversation about anything. Um, The men's group is on Thursdays from 7 to 8. The women's group is on Monday from 7 to 8. It's free. 
and you have uh, myself, I'm not in the women's group one, but someone from my staff is, it's free. And you have people who are knowledgeable and educated that's going to help you to make that shift that's going to feed positive information into you that's not going to have an agenda that's going to try to take you one way or the other that'll give you that exposure so you know it's easy to say you need to go out and find these people and do these things because if i'm sitting in your audience i'm gonna scratch my hand and go yeah okay i hear that but where do i go to get it so go into my website register and you'll have uh, exposure to the type of people that we're talking about. And in doing that, you now are gonna change your vocabulary because you're gonna learn different words. Um, you're gonna learn how to think a little differently. People are gonna help you to challenge you uh, to become a critical thinker um, and give you guidance and direction if that's what you want in order to make that shift happen. So that's, that's the first thing. The, uh, the, the second thing is you have to do something. Uh, it's not just making up your mind and say, okay, I want, you got to actually do some work. So we do have a program where we do uh, boot camps, uh, financial boot camps, and finances is where most people tend to struggle. And that's a free of charge program, but it's a two, it's a video call uh, every Thursday starting September 7th for two hours, every Thursday for three months straight. But we teach people how to get out of debt. We teach people how to get their budgets in orders and we teach them how to become financially stable and how to move into wealth. And everybody's at different levels depending on where they are, but we cover the general information. And then if we need to work one-on-one, -on -one, we um, cover the specifics with that individual one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, and then the, the third thing is that out of those participating in those two things, you're changing your network. And your network is your net worth. So if you're hanging around people that's making $35,000 a year, you're going to make $35,000 a year or less. You want to make... You want to make $75,000 a year, hang out with people that make $75,000 a year. You want to be a supervisor. You want to be a manager. You want to be a vice president. You got to start hanging out with people that have already done what you're trying to do so that they can help elevate you to get there. And by participating in those two things, you can shift and change your network. So those are three things I put out there today. I love it. I think you might be the first person that said, hey, just go to the website. I got these different things um, as the tips, because like you said, it's, it's it's cool to say this is what you can do. You can't even help me as a speaker. It's like if I go speak and I'm like, oh, do all these different things. I got the people got to be able to touch me or be able to reach me when they need you know, a question, because you can't you can give people you can't give them a little bit of water and expect them to last for a month. You got to keep giving that water or show them how to go get the water uh, where you getting the water out the well so they can keep getting it. So I, I love that. I, I'm definitely um, about to go in there and check things out, too, because um, the finances is definitely uh, something that I struggle with. So I appreciate that for the audience and for myself. Um, I need a quote. It could be your quote. It could be the quote of, you know, that you read today or something. But I need a quote for um, people that need to move the needle forward in their life that want more out of life? Uh, well, I'll use my own. Um, life is about choices, what's yours? Mm. It's, it's that simple. Everything in life is about a choice and you gotta choose. And you, got, and you have to live with the consequences. So life is about choices, what's yours? I, I love it. Um, I appreciate what you do. I was reading on your stuff and looking, looked at your website and everything. So uh, appreciate it because you started off, you know, uh, it was ugly as a, as a shorty. And then as you got older, you were able to, you know, overcome and change the way that you think. And now you help other people. So I always like to give people their flowers that come on my show because they didn't have to come on. So thank you for what you do and how you help other people. And 
thank you for the game you gave me. You added value, not just to the audience, but to myself. That's why I bring people on so I can learn as well. Um, thank you uh, again for what you're doing. Uh, oh, tell before you give like I I went, I need to figure out how to say give a clo- besides saying a closing word that sounds like church. But tell people they can reach you. I think you did, but just tell them again and then uh, give us something to close out on. Um, the best way to reach me is through my nonprofit, www.abundancelegacy.org. And uh, you can email me or you can give me a call. My email is nathaniel.ross at abundancelegacy.org. I answer my own emails. I answer my own phone. Um, for the, the uh, two of the three groups, I actually participate and show up and talk with people. So you're, you're getting it right directly from me and not some third party. Um, so there's no excuse. Um, when, we, when I put the nonprofit together, I put it together so that people could eliminate excuses. So each week, um, I'm, I, if you look at my follow me on social media, you see I put food for thought out for people every day. Uh, the daily quotes and stuff that's going out to make people think. I follow it up with my um, actual weekly um, podcast so that people can learn Real Choices, Real Life podcast. And uh, people can listen to me uh, on any in the platform of their choice. Then the weekly uh, calls. So there's two hours a week that anybody can get to me at any time if they show up from that seven to eight slot. They know that they can talk to me. Um, and like I said, I answer my own emails and phones. So it, the only thing that's keeping you from moving forward is you. I love it. And on that note, keep being great. I'm the underdog with the heroic card. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when I read and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family.